0: This message comes from NPR sponsor Discover. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday debit card purchases with no fees, period. Transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Folks, the people
1: of this nation have spoken. They've delivered us a clear victory.
2: Joseph R. Biden, president-elect of the United States.
3: Okay, now that that's out of the way, let's talk about the real star of the show.
4: And to the American people who make up our beautiful country, thank you for turning out in record numbers to make your voices
3: heard. That's Kamala Harris, and I'm Shereen Marisol Meraji.
2: I'm Gene Demby, and this is Code Switch
3: from NPR. Kamala Harris, the first woman and woman of color elected vice president. She spoke to the country about what this moment means to her by talking about her mother, Shamala, Shamala Gopalan, Gopalan Harris.
4: was always in our hearts. Uh, when she came here from India at the age of 19, she maybe um, didn't quite imagine this moment. But she believed so deeply in an America where a moment like this is possible. And so I am thinking about her and about the generations of women, black women, Asian, white, Latina, Native American women who throughout our nation's history have paved the way for this moment tonight.
2: All over the country, really, all over the world I guess uh, people have been expressing their excitement at the news of that first you know there's all these memes out there that are like watch your feet there's glass on the ground you know because the glass ceiling mm-hmm.
3: got shattered yeah a friend texted me that the sound giving them life was glass shattering
2: it's like a Jewish wedding
3: <laughs> oh wow is that Jewish wedding or Greek anyway
2: <laughs>
3: People were screaming, Kamala's the first woman VP. She's the first daughter of immigrants VP. She's the first black woman VP. She's the first Asian woman VP. The first <laughs> South Asian woman VP. No, the first Indian American woman VP. <laughs>
2: all first everything. And all this parsing of the many, many facets of Kamala Harris's identity was happening long before Election Day. The
1: woman he settled on identifies as black and is the daughter of immigrants from Jamaica and India.
5: Has She's now that. making history on two fronts, the first black woman and first person of South Asian descent to rise to one of the highest levels of the nation's politics.
3: We have never had a black woman in the number one or number two
1: spot. Kamala right? Harris speaks passionately of her heritage. A daughter
0: shaped by the world.
2: Shaped by
0: the <laughs> world.
2: It sounds so much more colonialist when it comes out of a British person's voice. People always talk about biracial people like this, by the way, mm. like the fact of their parentage means that they're global citizens or something, or that they're like a mm-hmm. testament to how everything's okay and, you know, everything is over because uh, you know, their parents who are of different races came together and made this nice little caramel baby. <laughs> Do you say caramel or caramel? Yeah.
3: I like both. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> We've talked about this before on the show. Basically America fetishizes multiracial people for being, you know, beautiful, special mm-hmm. Uh, without really thinking too hard about what their identities are, uh, what it means to live with multiple identities.
2: I think you may have mentioned this once or twice. Racial
3: identities. Let me be more (laughs) specific. Yes. Yes, Jean. Yeah. (laughs) I know a little something about this.
2: Just a little bit. So today on the show, we're going to get into that. We're going to talk about what exactly it means for Kamala Harris to be the United States First, Black, South Asian, Indian, multiracial, female, vice president-elect. There's so many dashes, so many hyphens. So
3: many hyphens.
2: And we're going to get into what her political prominence might help illuminate or obscure about South Asian political identity.
3: About multiracial people and how they're perceived.
2: And about how Blackness intersects with all these things.
3: My mother instilled in my
4: sister Maya and me the values that would chart the course of our lives. She raised us to be proud, strong black women. And she raised us to know and be proud of our Indian
3: heritage.
6: Those sound like some carefully chosen words.
2: Oh, hey, Cuckoo, did not see you there. That's creepy.
3: You snuck up on us. <laughs>
6: hey, how's it going?
3: Uh, to all you listeners, Kamari Devarajan, a.k.a. Cuckoo KD, she's a producer on Code Switch. She's also our biracial South Asian correspondent. <laughs>
6: <laughs> yep, my mom is white and my dad is a Tamil Sri Lankan. Mm-hmm. And by the way, Kamala Harris is also Tamil.
3: Whoop, whoop. Shout out to the Tamils.
2: Shout out to all the Tamils up there. And MIA, right? And MIA. The the most famous Tamil in the world. Shout out MIA. Maybe not MIA. Uh, and,
3: and, And so that's part of the reason why you became interested in how Kamala Harris was being perceived, right? Yeah, that's right.
2: So
6: this all started back in 2019 when Kamala Harris was one of the many, many, many contenders to be the Democratic nominee for president. And just like a lot of people, I ended up in conversations about the different candidates. And when it came to Kamala Harris, I found that the people I was talking to knew a lot about her as a politician. They knew her policies and her record. But when I would bring up the fact that she was South Asian, a lot of them had no idea. Hmm. Obviously now everybody knows, but back then, not so much.
3: That's interesting. I do not remember not knowing that Kamala had multiple racial identities. I'm from California, California, born and raised. And Kamala has been a fixture in my life for years. Mm -hmm. I'm also the kind of person that's always looking out for other multiracial, multiethnic, public facing people. So maybe I'm a little not normal. You
2: have highly trained beige star. You know what I mean? Like, hmm, (laughs) something's going on there. My wife is South Asian, so um we've been talking a lot about Kamala Harris's South Asian identity and her cousins and I have been talking about it a lot.
3: On your WhatsApp group?
5: <laughs>
3: hey, course, we
6: love WhatsApp.
2: South Asians love WhatsApp.
3: Yeah,
6: man, they should be talking to my aunties. I get I wake up
2: to all this I literally have to I gotta mute that WhatsApp group like once a day. Like bro, I can't I can't read my phone. I know.
6: I have too many aunts that I need to do yeah. it as well. Uh just kidding. <laughs> Auntie if you're listening. Uh <laughs> But I felt like I should bring it up because it was kind of a big deal. We rarely see South Asians in such prominent political positions, so... I was like, hello, why is nobody talking about this?
5: <laughs> OK, so what we're going to cook today okay, cool. is an Indian recipe. Yes. Because yes. you are Indian. Yes. Yes. Okay, OK, and I don't know that everybody
0: knows that. But I find that wherever I go and I see Indian people, at the uh-huh. supermarket, uh-huh. on the street, everyone's like,
5: you know Kamala Harris is Indian, right? It's like our thing we're so excited <laughs> about.
0: That is from a
6: video of Mindy Kaling and Kamala Harris that went viral in the lead up to the Democratic primaries. Mm-hmm. And to me, it read as kind of like Harris is coming out. Like, hey, everybody, i I'm Indian.
2: Weren't they making, like, doses or something? Yeah, I remember that Mindy video. Um, it was kind of an audacious choice by, Sen- by Senator Harris because people have um, strong feelings about Mindy Kaling and her relationship to, you know, South Asian representation. Yeah. But, you know.
3: Wasn't for a long time she was like, it doesn't matter that I'm Indian.
2: Yeah.
6: Yeah, well, Kamala's people called me first, but actually I was unavailable, <laughs> so maybe she was there. <laughs> second choice but i digress so this racial coming out i'm doing air quotes if you will is definitely not something that is unique to kamala harris when people are dual minority biracial like you shireen one aspect of their identity often seems to exist more at the forefront and one more in the background
3: Ah, uh, yes dual minority pocs <laughs> is that is that the right way of putting it let's do a quick explanatory comma for that it's when your parents are both not white, mm. which is, you know, a minority within a minority, since most multiracial people in the United States have one white parent. Um, and that whole toggling identities thing, I definitely identify with that. Mm-hmm. My first year of college, I did try going by my middle name, Marisol. So folks who assumed I was Iranian, who didn't know me and just assumed <laughs> I was re- Iranian based on Shireen Miraji, would also know I am Puerto Rican, too, damn it.
2: <laughs> I did not. For as long as we've known each other, I did not know this. We always get emails from people who are like, Marisol, I really like this last episode. I'm like, that's not her name. Maybe they just saw people from, <laughs> like, your 20s, maybe. I it don't was know.
3: almost my name. No, nah, it didn't work very well. It, didn't, it didn't, didn't work. It didn't stick. People would just be, like, calling out across the quad, Marisol, Marisol, and I wouldn't turn around. I'm like, who the hell are they talking to? Don't they know my name is Shireen? you got to commit
2: to this rebranding, you know what I mean? <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, I I didn't have that kind of willpower. So I'm Shireen, Marisol, Maraji. <laughs> and yes, I'm Latina. And yes, I'm Iranian. It's complicated.
6: Yeah, well, you know, just like you, a lot of biracial people can kind of choose what parts of themselves they want to put a little like oomph on, like a little emphasis. <laughs> I thought you were say uh, a which double. definitely I was gonna get mad. <laughs> <laughs> uh but that definitely depends on everything from their appearance mm-hmm. and their communities, mm-hmm. that kind of yeah. thing. And according to one expert I spoke to, when you're black in something else, like Kamala Harris, it's usually that something else that's more in the background.
5: When people are like, oh, did you know so-and-so is black and Chinese or black and Indian? uh, That always is supposed to come as a surprise, but it doesn't last long in sort of the national imaginary. It still then reduces to blackness. Uh, Not to say that blackness is reductive because it can also be really expansive, but it can be reductive when it denies the person the ability to be what they say they are. Ooh, it's getting messy. I hope so. I hope so. Stay with us.
1: Support for this podcast and the following message come from Viking Books, publisher of Get the Picture by Bianca Bosker. In Get the Picture, the New York Times best-selling author of Cork Dork now takes readers on a journey inside the secretive world of art. The Washington Post calls it brilliant, and Time Magazine says it's a gripping and often hilarious investigation into the art world. Bosker goes full Tom Wolfe. Read Get the Picture, available now. Support for NPR comes from FX with Shogun an original series based on the novel by James Clavell. FX's Shogun is an epic saga of war, passion, and power set in feudal Japan. Starring Hiroyuki Sanada and Anna Sawai. Now streaming on Hulu.
0: Support for NPR and the following message come from Bombas. Bombas makes absurdly soft socks, underwear, and t-shirts. And for every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Get 20% off your first purchase at bombuscom slash NPR and use code NPR. On the next episode of Louder Than a Riot, Bobby Shmurda's transitioned from the
5: streets to superstardom and how viral fame led to infamy.
3: I don't ask people from the hood if they got criminal activity going on. I know... And
2: hip-hop, the badder, the better.
5: Listen now to Louder Than a Riot from NPR
3: Music. Jean. Shireen. Kumari.
2: Code Switch. Okay, so when we left, you know, before the little bricky thing, we were just getting into the fact that Kamala Harris is Indian. And it was something that had to be kind of announced well into her White House bid.
6: Yeah, to some people. I feel like for us South Asians we always knew she was Indian. Mm -hmm. My dad actually calls her Kamala Gopalan, which is her mother's Tamil last name, just to recognize that she's South Asian. Just like you, Marisol. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But I realized there was something that kind of gave her away.
7: I had had recognized the name Kamala because it is actually my grandma's name. Because I recognized Kamala as a potentially South Asian name. And then I I looked up her whole story. I always
5: knew she was Indian because she has the same name as my my auntie in the village. The name does not signal for a mainstream American, right? uh, her, Her ancestry or her connection to India, but to Indians and to people who know Indians and to people who are Asian American, they will know that.
6: So what you just heard was a very scientific sampling consisting of a couple of my South Asian friends, (laughs) uh, Suma Cheru and Kanaka Vej. (laughs) And that last voice you heard is Natasha Sharma. She is an associate professor of African-American studies and Asian-American studies at Northwestern University.
3: The absolutely perfect expert for this episode. She
2: majored in this episode.
6: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I guess they're offering degrees in Kamala Harris now. (laughs) And Natasha says that there's been a lot of support for Kamala Harris coming from the South Asian community. Okay. And that's also what I've been hearing.
5: I think on the one hand, there's a pride, right? Claim us if you're famous. I love that.
3: Claim us if you're famous. I've never heard that before. <laughs>
6: of course, there are South Asian folks, probably a lot of my friends, who are critical of her policies. But we can safely assume that South Asians overwhelmingly voted for Kamala Harris. And there are a few reasons for that. I talked to Karthik Ramakrishnan, who is a professor of public policy at the University of California, Riverside. He is also Tamil, like me and Kamala, and Mindy Kaling.
3: And MIA. Galang, galang, galang.
7: <laughs> <You should. laughs>
2: Karthik is, is great. I feel like interviewing Karthik is kind of a rite of passage because everyone, of Coach which has done so at this point. He's the director of AAPI Data, which does public opinion polling and research on Asian-Americans and Pacific Islanders.
6: Yeah, he told me that South Asians are some of the most loyal Democratic voters.
2: Their tilt towards the Democratic Party is stronger than it is among Latinos, uh, but weaker than it is among African-Americans.
3: And as we said on the show, about two-thirds of Latinos usually vote Democrat or Democratic, whatever we're saying, and around 90% of African-Americans. <laughs> so that's pretty strong. So South Asian support for the Democratic Party falls somewhere in between. Yeah, that's strong.
6: Mm-hmm. Yep. And Karthik told me that that loyalty strengthened after 9-11.
2: You saw a major increase in racial discrimination and hate crimes and racial profiling in the wake of 9-11. And South Asians felt much more at home in the Democratic Party because the Democratic Party was seen uh, as much stronger and more credible on the issue of racial discrimination in combating hate crimes. Hmm.
3: Okay, so there's one big reason South Asians support Kamala Harris. What else is there, mm-hmm. Kumari? You said there are multiple things.
6: Well, another big reason is that she represents a lot of things that are considered pretty important among a lot of South Asian communities.
5: She's so respectable. and She's doing all the things, right? She's not crazy progressive. She's not, right? Uh, she is highly educated. She is well-dressed. She's married a a nice white man, right? I mean, she's done all the things that Desis (laughs) approve of. Oh, boy. (laughs) So
3: in some ways, she's Miss South Asia. She has the sash. She has the crown. She's doing all the right things. Yeah, she's got the wave.
6: (laughs) So that was (laughs) Natasha Sharma, whom we heard from earlier. And when we're talking about respectability and approval among South Asians, we're talking about caste. Kamala Harris's mother is descended from Brahmins, who are at the tippity-top of the caste system.
5: It is not as if she is a Kshatriya or Shudra or an untouchable, right, a Dalit, right, quote-unquote, which would create some some tension for, for, for among Indians that she would be a representative of, of Indian arrival.
6: If you're not South Asian, caste might be invisible to you. But if you are, then caste determines a lot about your life, whether you choose to acknowledge it or not. So if anyone was going to receive support from the mainstream South Asian American community, it's going to be an upper caste person like Kamala Harris. But of course, this episode is also about multiracial identity. And lest we forget, Kamala Harris is also a black woman.
5: It's kind of tickling me, like it makes me giggle a little bit that uh, Kamala Harris, that Indians are so proud of her. And Indians are also, generally speaking, so anti-Black. I think that, you know, it's kind of not the chickens coming home to roost, but maybe so.
6: (laughs) Yeah, Kamala Harris is upper caste. She has a law degree. She's straight. All these things that I'm not. (laughs) Uh, She's also very successful. She's not Muslim. She didn't marry a black person, but her mom did.
5: The one time that the mainstream sort of, you know, respectable Indian community that is very proud of itself. And, you know, I love my Indian community, but we have issues uh, that the the woman and the person that they um, get to celebrate in this moment is a woman. Right and is the daughter of a a very independent South Indian woman who was very independent, came before the Mainstream Immigration Act of 65, and who chose to marry a black man. Huh,
3: so is Natasha saying this point right here, this affects how Kamala's South Asian supporters see her?
6: What's interesting is South Asians are still strongly supporting her,
5: publicly, but with kind of an asterisk. It's very liberal right now, right, to be... An American, and to, to celebrate Kamala for both being black and for being Indian. But it doesn't mean that they'd want their sons
2: to marry her. Oh, my God, Natasha going in mm-hmm. right now. What?
6: Yeah, she's going in on my people. And she's really not wrong about anti-blackness in South Asian spaces. And this idea that you can't marry a black person, I hear that a lot.
3: Oh, yeah. It's incredibly common in Iranian and non-black Latinx spaces, too. hmm
6: And so, in the same way that biracial people do not symbolize anything about the status of racial harmony, South Asians' embrace of Kamala Harris is not evidence of our reckoning with anti-black racism. A few examples. Some of the South Asian immigrants to the U.S. in the early 20th century reasoned that they were basically white and had pure Aryan blood Mm -hmm. as an argument to obtain American citizenship. This did not work out for them,
3: by the way.
2: (laughs) That was the Supreme Court case, right? Yeah, Yeah. we
6: did
3: a story. We talked about it on
6: the show. In South Asia, there is still an understanding that lighter skin is more desirable. And South Asians who immigrate to the U.S. carry those beliefs with them, which easily translate to anti-blackness.
3: And then here in the United States, we've got white supremacy, which has all of us POCs jockeying for position in this racial hierarchy.
2: Right. And if black people have been placed at the bottom of that racial hierarchy, then the way you sort of assimilate is to, to not rock with black people.
6: One of the things I was curious about was why did it take her becoming the VP candidate for the media and the rest of the US to really take notice of her Indian heritage.
2: Right, cuz when she was still running for president, most people saw her as just black.
5: That is not necessarily a negative thing. That's that's how she self-identifies as well. She she is a black woman. She was, you know, born and raised in Oakland, California in Right. And she grew up in the 60s and she knew people who founded the black studies departments and she was around the civil rights and black nationalist movements in the Bay Area. She went to a historically black university and college. Right. So that's the way race operates in the United States.
2: Yeah. On our last episode about Kamala Harris, just a couple of episodes ago, we focused on how her politics fit in with uh, black political thought about policing throughout the 90s and the 2000s. And a lot of people see her. As part of that particular political scene and judge her accordingly.
6: And that definitely has to do with how she's positioned herself. But it also has to do with something really important about how race works.
7: We don't like to think about people as more than one race. It's more complicated.
3: Mm -hmm.
6: I spoke to Jackie Chen, who is an assistant professor of social psychology at the University of Utah. She studies perceptions of multiracial people and specifically perceptions of their loyalty.
3: Ah, loyalty, yes. I know a little something about that. People always perceive me as much more loyal to my Puerto Rican side at the expense of loyalty to my Iranian side.
6: And Jackie found that Black people and Asian people tend to think about loyalty super differently.
7: Essentially, what we find is that among Black Americans, there is a broad acceptance of biracial people, or more broadly, people with part Black ancestry.
2: Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, Frederick Douglass, Bob Marley, right? Like, there are all sorts of very well-known Black people with white parents whose Blackness is taken as a given, Barack Obama, because Blackness has always had to operate that way.
3: Well, there's that rule of hypodescent, or the one-drop rule, mm-hmm. <laughs> which... Most of us know about during slavery, if you had any black ancestry, you were legally black. And that was to increase the number of people that could be enslaved.
2: Homer Plessy, the dude behind Plessy versus Ferguson, right? The dude who was the plaintiff in that case was one eighth black. He was an (laughs) Octoroon. And he counted as black. So he couldn't sit on the train car, which is how we got Plessy versus Ferguson anyway.
7: So that's exactly what Jackie said. Certainly there's a lot of precedent for part black multiracials being denied any choice in their identity and having to, to be black. Um, nowadays, although biracial people are given more choices in their identities, people and, and black, pe- black Americans tend to think, well, black, white biracials probably um, share these experiences of discrimination that really define the black experience in America. And because we have these shared experiences, we have this common fate. We have this link.
2: So that experience, that linked experience with black people, makes multiracial folks more likely to be included in black communities, to being viewed by other black folks as black folks.
3: But that is not how it works for all racial groups. Jackie says that for Asian
6: Americans, it's the complete opposite.
7: There's kind of a break with Asian Americans and Asian white biracials, where Asian Americans say, hey, you're you're not really discriminated against, and I bet you want to identify as white, And I bet you wouldn't be loyal to the Asian in-group. So I think that you're not one of us. You're not Asian. You don't get it.
6: Jackie says this is because many Asians don't agree on whether or not they're discriminated against in the first place. She said some believe we experience racism and others don't. So this idea of having a linked fate based on discrimination is already kind of shaky. And then when you add biracial people, there's less a sense of we all have something in common.
3: Jackie is referring here specifically to Asian and white biracials and black and white biracials. What about people who don't have a white parent?
6: So you're right, Shereen. Jackie's research only focused on Asian white and black white biracials. And then among Asians, she actually only focused on East Asian, which makes it kind of difficult to make assumptions about how this phenomenon is working on Kamala Harris. Mm -hmm. But Natasha Sharma, the expert we heard from earlier... She said that you can see a similar thing happening with Kamala Harris.
5: She was raised in a black community in Oakland that clearly knew she was South Asian because her mom, who often wore saris, um, because she raised her there and um, they nonetheless embraced her.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's that's a really good point, because even though, you know, her biraciality would have been obvious because, you know, her mom was walking around Oakland in a sari, it seems like the black folks in her neighborhood in Oakland would have just been like, yeah, you. You live over here with us. You get bus to school with us. You're Black. It's not that complicated.
3: I grew up around more Latinos than Iranians. I grew up around my Puerto Rican side. And it was just much more natural for me to gravitate to one side of my identity. Um, and because I felt more comfortable with that side of my identity, I acted in ways that were considered or perceived to be more Latina. And then Iranians would say things like, well, you don't look Iranian. You don't act Iranian. Which then would make me feel even less Iranian and shy away from talking about that part of my identity and then there's this weird feedback loop that happens and I wonder if Kamala Harris went through something similar where South Asians were like wait a second you don't you don't look like us you don't act quite like us are you one of us or are you black?
6: (laughs) Yeah Uh, and Natasha says the fact that Kamala Harris is biracial and the fact that she is black might have made it harder for South Asians to accept her.
5: Meaning that she would probably have a very different experience within a predominantly Indian-American community. You know, she might face racism, anti-Black racism by aunties and uncles who might tell her stay out of the sun and things like that that my dad told me, right? Oh, yeah. I've heard that a lot growing mm. up.
6: Yeah, me too. And the truth is, we don't know how it would have turned out if she had grown up in a more heavily South Asian community.
2: And to be fair, we know Kamala Harris was close to her Indian family. She traveled to India growing up. Um, She kept in touch with her mother's siblings over the phone and through letters. But, you know, being close with your family and being accepted by a broader community, if you're a biracial person, as Shereen will tell you, those are two different things. (laughs) ¶¶
3: Okay, so we've been talking about how Kamala Harris's individual communities accept her or don't accept her or maybe accept her. But it's totally different when you're on a national stage. I thought about my mother, who
4: came to the United States at the age of 19.
6: Yeah, and probably our closest reference point for a multiracial person with a similar status is Barack Obama.
1: My own story. I'm the son of a black man. From Kenya and a white woman from Kansas.
2: When you say probably, he is like I mean. Yes. This, yeah. That's him. Yeah.
3: It's it's Mr. Obama, <laughs> uh, and we have about ten years of evidence showing how President Obama's racial identity was picked apart. Like,
2: what is he really? And even Obama faced like sort of all sorts of stuff around his blackness and his racial identity, right? Like, a lot of conservatives would start of bring up the fact that he was half black, like, as a way to sort of being like, oh, black people can't claim credit for his presidency. Um mm-hmm. People also forget that he had to give a whole ass speech in 2008 when he was running for president in which he had to basically allay white people's fears um, that he was a scary black man. He had to distance himself from his pastor. Oh, man. It was a whole thing.
3: Yep. And that then led to complaints that he was trying— Way too hard to distance himself from his blackness, mm-hmm. talking too much about his white mom, his white grandparents from Kansas. Mm-hmm. Yet
2: when Illinois Senator Barack Obama announced his bid for president, it set off a national debate that escaped his predecessors, a debate about being black enough.
1: It used to be like nobody knew that he was mixed. But by- His last name rhymed with Osama. His middle name was Hussein. Racially, he was half because, white and half yes, white.
5: Yes, you're the first African-American president, but your mother was white. By the time
3: of our mock election, Obama had already gone from our first mixed race president to our first black president.
5: And so there's a suspicion that people who have African ancestry and white ancestry, if you're raised by a white parent and a black parent and you identify as both or talk about your white parent, there's sort of this idea that you're running away from blackness, that um, you are trying to be anything but black.
3: And I know that we said earlier that the Black community was super accepting of Kamala Harris, but getting back to now she's on the national stage, this big time spotlight is on her, that can possibly change things. Kamala Harris did get some pushback about her Blackness or her lack thereof uh, last year washington post senior critic at large robin Gavon wrote about how some black people look to kamala harris's white husband or look to her record as a prosecutor as things pulling her away from her blackness along with the fact that she also grew up surrounded by a lot of white people because her parents were a part
5: of the ivory towers when we change those dynamics to talking about someone who is black and and indian Uh, and she's talking about her Indian mother who raised her, there's a little more willingness to understand, okay, she's not necessarily running away from blackness. She's not trying to aspire to whiteness or access white privilege. And so the dynamics are a little different. And so the suspicion might be temporarily put to the side to kind of listen, oh, what does it mean to be raised by an Indian mother in the Bay Area in the 60s, right? And that's a little different than the approaches to Obama.
6: But there's something else that she has to deal with that Obama never had to deal with. Kamala Harris is a woman.
2: (gasps) Wait, what?
6: I know, breaking news. She's black, she's Indian, she's a woman. So she has to be really careful when it comes to maneuvering around stereotypes that intersect with all of these identities.
3: You've got the loud and angry black woman stereotype.
6: Mm-hmm. And then a different stereotype when
5: it comes to Asian women. Asian womanhood, Asian American women are conceptualized as being quiet, submissive, right, as, as dominated by right, the white man.
2: OK, but if a lot of Americans didn't even know if it wasn't registering to them that Kamala Harris is South Asian... The pressure of not having to be too submissive, that might not be too big of a deal, right?
6: Right, but then again, she's on stage in front of all of America, so it's really tricky.
5: It's tricky, but then I'm like, she has a lifetime of experience, right? I mean, she's been this person and in this nation and aware of these dynamics forever, for her whole life. What's
6: so bananas is that we've never had someone like her as a vice president who comes from multiple communities and shares multiple marginalized identities. Which leads me to the question:
5: Who gets to claim her? On the one hand, there were a lot of memes and responses to when she said, "I'm speaking," right? But uh, yeah,
4: Mr. Vice President, I'm speaking. I have. am speaking.
5: Up. Where black women uh, were saying, "Right, this is the experience of every black woman speaking," right, and being being uh, spoken over. Then there were sort of black women academics who were saying, "This is every black woman at a black faculty meeting." Then there were women of color who are saying this is every woman of color speaking at a faculty meeting. And then there were sort of white women who were saying this is every w- woman speaking at a faculty meeting.
3: So I'm hearing Natasha say that all women can claim Kamala Harris.
5: Well, but then there were debates among these folks, right, saying, well, this is not every white woman. This is every woman of color. And then people even more specified. No, it's not every woman of color. This is about a black woman.
3: Ah. So any woman who wants to claim her can... But there are limits. White women and non-Black women of color will never understand what it means to be a Black woman in America. And if you're claiming Kamala Harris by saying her experience is every woman's experience, you're overshadowing the obstacles Black women face when it comes to getting to the place Kamala Harris has. Vice President-elect.
2: But then again, you know, you got to ask, like, would she have gotten... Where she is, if there wasn't, you know, light skin privilege at play, right? If her parents were not professors and she didn't have all the social capital and connections that came with that, and she wasn't half Indian and her parents weren't immigrants, all that stuff matters too, right?
6: Yeah. We've been going back and forth about this point for days and it's just totally (laughs) breaking my brain.
3: Yeah, because it's so much easier to break things down into binaries. And there are so many intersections at play when it comes to Kamala Harris. And even when it comes to binaries, we are conditioned to think of black and white, one or the other.
2: Yeah, we have just not exercised that muscle a whole lot. It was only the year 2000, 20 years ago, that people could choose more than one race on the census questionnaire. So we, we can tell ourselves that she's both black and South Asian sort of like intellectually. But as a country, we still haven't really accepted in our hearts, that people are not necessarily either or.
6: And as we can glean from VP-elect Kamala Harris, identity is about so much more than just adding up your census boxes. Here's Natasha Sharma again.
5: And I think that that's really key. We have to be able to see that people have racial identities and they're complicated and multiple and not always evident. Uh, And then we also have community. And for me, I create community based on people's political worldviews. That's my people. I don't really care what your background is ancestrally. Every person in the United States should know this at this point, that, that we have ancestry, we have the people who raised us, we have kin, we have fictive kin, the family we choose, we have work-based communities and communities that are based on shared interests. And those things don't over, overlap all the time.
2: All right, y'all, that's our show. Please follow us on Twitter. We're at NPR Codeswitch. You can follow Shireen at Radio Mirage. That's all one word. You can follow me at GD215. That's G-E-E-D-E-E-215. You can follow Kumari at Kooks and Ladders. That's K-U-K-Z and Ladders, all one word. Our email is Codeswitch at NPR.org. Subscribe to the podcast on NPR One and wherever you get your podcasts. And seriously, hit us up on OnlyFans. I'm not serious. I'm joking. I'm not serious about it. I'm dead ass.
3: Are you not serious or are you joking? <laughs> Is there an OnlyFans page? Is that what it's called? OnlyFans? <laughs> I feel Is right that now. what
2: it's called, Shereen? Wink, wink. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah,
6: you know what it's called.
3: This episode was produced by Kumari Devarajan, who you just heard. Mm-hmm. It was edited by Leah Danella, And of course, we have to shout out the rest of the Code Switch team. Sorry, Gene, I just took your line. Karen Grigsby-Bates, L.A. Johnson, <laughs> Natalie Escobar, Jess Kung, Alyssa Jong Perry, and Steve Drummond. Our intern is Alyssa Beheza. She also fact-checked this episode.
2: Um, Go ahead, Jean. Thank you, Shireen. I'm Jean Deppi.
3: <laughs> and I'm Shireen Marisol Maragi. I drank way too much coffee today.
2: <laughs> Beasy,
3: Peace.
1: A special thanks to our funder, the Ford Foundation, for helping to support this podcast.
7: The election is over, but with Republicans questioning the results and control of the Senate still up in the air, so much of the political world is yet to be settled. Keep up with the latest every day on the NPR Politics Podcast.